Good morning, good morning. Welcome to Coffee Talk with Soy, your new morning show where real talk happens every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Good morning, good morning. How y'all doing? How y'all doing in the cafe? Are you ready for some hot and steamy conversation this morning? What you drinking on? What you sipping on? Carmel Macchiato? That's my favorite beverage right there. That's how I get my day started. Hot and steamy. My mother and I had a fantastic relationship. This, this is Stephen, and I just wanted to share. You should always be in a place where you're celebrated. Life is too short to stay somewhere and tolerate If you cannot help a person, don't hurt them, especially the black. Stories just hold essences that bring out the best in other people. Something that touches other people, and that's what your show does. It doesn't. It's not just conversation as you started. It actually has a purpose. And welcome to Coffee Talk with Soy, your new morning show where real talk happens every Saturday at 10 a.m. This particular Saturday, folks, I'm hanging out at Lake Oconee and doing the live broadcast there. I'm really excited about this setup here. My studio setup today allows me to be out on the lake and feeling nature. So, shout out to all the people who know how and when to take a break. We're trying to get back. In nature, so we're gonna do that during the show. So, but needless to say, still keep your favorite beverage in hand. You're definitely gonna need it because it's gonna be a hot topic. I could never do this. Well, sometimes I do, but I'll tell you, it's not the same. It's not the same as having my wingman, my coffee shop co-host Brandon in the cafe with me. So, good morning, Brandon. Say hello to the people. What up, what up, what up? Good morning. Oh, man. Hey, listen. Look, I don't party enough, but I will tell you this much. Last night, I was out, you know, at a cigar spot, and, man, I I haven't had fun like that in a long time. I mean, the music was good, everything. You know, I saw people that I haven't seen in ages, um, like a bunch of people from my job were actually there, which I'd be trying to get away from them, but they was in another building, so it was it was pretty good. Like I haven't I haven't hung out like I mean even me, I danced. I danced last night. You know, I did a little two step. You know, but whatever. We ain't gonna talk about that. Last time I danced was at the wedding. Story about that. Whatever. Um, but <laughs> I, but I do want to say this. You know, shout out to everybody that um actively attempts to have fun at least once a week. You need that. I, I believe in that. I believe in the decompressed stage. I think that that's something that we, we, we're lacking. You know, everybody's just so serious. Like, hey, take a day to, you know, or, or evening. Have fun. You know, go out, do your thing, chill, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's important because we, we work hard in life, and we never um, or seldom take an opportunity to enjoy the fruits of our labor. You work yeah. hard. Play, you know, work hard. Yes, that's what. Play harder. I mean, yeah. well, we know you really play hard because I mean, you you can't stay in one state for longer than twenty minutes. I mean, I'm just saying, like, we know you play hard. Well, you know, to to, to those who are called, <laughs> those who are called, <laughs> yes, pray for us. Pray for you if you're called to do something beyond what you think you can do, and you rely on prayer and hope and friendship. And, and blessings and, and good spirited people, yeah, go after it. 
out there. That's what I'm talking about. So let me ask you this. So who do we have in the cafe? Now, you promised me that this was going to be something like crazy. So I want to know, who do we have with us in the cafe today? Well, Brenda, I, I tried to warn. I tried to warn everyone because I wanted them. It's almost like, you know how when you're getting ready to go to church, right? You're ready to go to church, and right before the message is provided, there's this energy that the church tries to create. Now, the energy is usually preceded with soft music, you know, and then the song playing before and then something's going to move your heart because it's the spirit trying to get you ready, you know, get you in the right place so you don't miss it. And and what I want to do is get our listeners in the right place. There There are children out here in the world that are being hurt, abused, neglected, um, some that we are aware of and may not know what to do or how to deal with it. Some kids are, are, are harmed and the parents are totally aware of it and don't know how to deal with it, maybe because it's happened to them and they have begun to process this as some sense of normality and acceptance. But it is unacceptable. It is unacceptable to stand by and watch our children when they are being neglected, when they are being raped, when they are being molested, sexually abused, sexually assaulted by anyone. Now, this brave, courageous woman who's hanging out with us today is going to share with us a little of her story, what she experienced, and more importantly, what she did about it. I think that our listeners can learn from that and pick up some material, and not only that, pick up her book that supports her efforts. So without further delay, let's welcome to the cafe our fabulous, courageous guest, Nellie. How are you, Mary Lee? Wow, that was very impressive, and I, I really loved the way you brought the show in. It's um, very well done, and I, I'm, it's a pleasure to be with you on your show. We are delighted to have you. We're delighted to have you. And wh- where are you listening from today? I live in Denver, Colorado. Oh, I'm a Denver woman. <laughs> Oh, so you are up bright and early. Are you sipping on a on a, a coffee beverage or a tea beverage this of morning? Course. What's your beverage? Of, of course, <laughs> of course, I am. <laughs> Absolutely. So, what are you drinking? Now, now, well, mine's just regular coffee. I don't have anything special, but um, it's, I love my coffee in the morning. So it's perfect time to have it and have a show with you guys and bring forward what's happening nationally and internationally to our children that most people do not know about. Now, I, I love my coffee in the morning, too. What, what, does, what does it do for you? Well, it's a relaxation. It, it, it relaxes you. It, uh, it pretty much starts my day. It's a good way to start your day. I actually had it <laughs> earlier, but um, I, I, I'm continuing while I'm talking to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think coffee sets the tone um, for me too. It, it just prepares me mentally, emotionally that we, we we're going to go into another space. We're going to go into another place where we can be serene, Absolutely. get into some great conversations. Yeah, tap into your inner self. That, that's what it says to me. Let's go deep. Let's go deep. 
That's what it says to me. Go deep. <laughs> well, this conversation will be deep for your listeners, definitely. All right. So where now, now be careful. We're going to hold you to that now. We're we going to hold you to that. Oh. So be careful. Believe me. <laughs> All right. Believe me. Let's... It is very – I mean, I, I, I can um, give a little laugh there, but really it's a very serious topic, and um, – it really needs the public's attention, and I was listening to what Zoe said, the, the standby people, all the standby people where you call them, you know, the, that are standing by hearing this, really need to take hold and, and know that this is happening and make a strive to make a difference. So uh, that's what I do every day in my life. So, you guys so let me know. Let me know where you'd like to go. Well, so, so let me know this. What is happening? And enlighten us. So you tell me, what is happening to our youth? What are we missing right now? What is the what? What are the masses missing? It's not our. It's not our youth. It's what, what's happening is um, there are thousands and thousands, and I'm not exaggerating these thousands. We have 58,000 children a year. This is stats that were done um, probably 10 or 15 years ago. So I believe the stats are much higher today. But that our children are being sexually abused and abused and not protected in our family court system. So I deal with this every day. I have been for the past 30 years, and uh, I have women, and it's mostly women calling me from all across the nation that their children are being sexually abused, and they can't protect them in our family courts, which is absolutely amazing and shocking. But why I know so much about this is because I was a mother uh, who might, I was divorced, had full custody of my daughter, and at the age of two and a half was being sexually abused by her father. I fought in the court system for 10 years trying to protect her. I had, um, there, by the time she was four and a half, there are three doctor's reports, three police reports, three hospital reports stating she was being abused and had all the evidence to prove that she was being abused. Uh, the DA would not, attorney's office didn't prosecute even with all the evidence. And I was caught up in the family court system. And this is what I want to get out to the, your listeners is that I get calls every day from women all across the nation and internationally as well, and with identical cases. I testified before Congress on this issue with 10 other mothers. Educated women, didn't matter what walk of life you were coming from, you're going to lose when there's sexual abuse allegations and it's the father. So what's happening is the family court system, uh, in the best interest of the child, that's a statute, it's the parent that's more able to nurture the relationship with the other parent. Well, in this case, um, you know, obviously I was not able to nurture that relationship with the father because my daughter was telling me daily what her dad was doing to her in explicit detailed information that no child could come up with. Not only did she tell me, she told her daycare providers, she told teachers, she told policemen, she told psychologists, social workers, she told everybody, family and friends. And in her eyes, nobody protected her, even her mother, because she is a child and she's telling what's happening to her and nobody's protecting her. So um, even with all this evidence and proof, I could not protect her. I I ended up losing her to the abuser at four and a half uh, because of all the evidence of abuse and because I wouldn't shut up. Now, what mother would? Most of these women out here that are fighting are doing everything they can to protect their children. But it's like, um, imagine this happening. It's a catch-22. You're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. And they're coming in good faith. And, yes, they're, you know, children don't lie about this kind of thing. When they're young like that, they can't make up this stuff. And to have physical evidence is huge in a child. Um, Lots of times that won't show up. So 
the bottom line is the safety of the child comes first, and that is not what's happening in our family courts. Uh, really what's happening is in the best interest of the child that the parents are more able to nurture the relationship with the other parent. And then the sad part is, is the evidence. It's not an evidentiary hearing. And criminal court, you, you know, you have to prove it beyond a reasonable doubt. But if it doesn't get to criminal court and you're stuck in family court where they don't have to bring in the evidence and they're not listening to that evidence and you're throwing out police reports and doctor's reports. So what I did is I started writing this book when my daughter was two. I was in a domestic violence relationship, marriage. And most of these cases will be domestic violence where they move on to the abuse of the child. And that's not every man or an abuser that's going to go out and abuse his child. Too. These are very limited cases, but there's in hundreds of thousands of them. So when this comes forward, they're, they're not listening to the evidence, and, you, and you're trying to protect your child. And I spent uh, four or five years, her first four or five years of her life, fighting with everything I had to protect her. I never stopped, of course. And then, and then I was in court. I lost her at four and a half due to the fact they use this term, and it's going to be hard for people to get. It's called parental alienation syndrome, PAS. It was brought in by Dr. Richard Gardner, who was a, a psychologist, and he books, and he sent them to every court in the nation. And so all these courts start taking on his theory. Well, it's a junk science. It's never been approved by the AMA or the APA, American Medical Association, nor the American Psychological Association. However, it got, it's been passed through. So he states in his own book, we need to have more pity for the pedophile than scorn, that it makes little girls and little boys better sexual partners, that this is good for procreation, that this is God's what, will. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know? hold, hold on one second. Yeah. Hold on one second. <laughs> hold on. Oh, Nelly, hold on. All right. <laughs> okay. Help me understand that last part. Like you sound like a, You sound like one of my people, like a New Yorker. You know, you talk really fast. And I'm sorry. I, I might, no, 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 no. It's okay. I might have missed what you said. So let me go ahead no, and reiterate. You okay, well, I just want to make sure. You told me that a licensed doctor just said, or, or wrote in a book, actually, that mm-hmm. sexual activity at a young age for children aids in procreation and is healthy for them? Yes. So, he also stated that we all have some pedophilia within us. Um, we all have pedophilia within us. Okay. Uh, so, and, and what's his name? What's his name? Dr. Richard Gardner. In fact, I went on CNN International News um, many years ago, and he was on that piece with me. It's about an hour-long program. It's more like a documentary on this issue on PAS, parental emission syndrome. And that's the only thing we really have on him on, you know, live TV type thing and international news. But in that program, he stated uh, for mothers that are coming forward with abuse like this, jail these moms, gag these moms. That's exactly what's happening today. These women are being gagged and jailed from every walk of life. doesn't matter who you are, where you're coming from. When I testified before Congress, like I told you, the women I testified with, it could be a lawyer, a doctor, I don't care who you were. You were losing, and it was identical. The cases were identical. That's when I realized I wasn't alone in this. So, we'll go back to him. He committed suicide probably eight or nine years ago, stabbed himself in the upper part of his chest and neck, which is pretty strange. The the man has put a theory out there that the society took on, not society, but our courts took on. Now, they're changing that theory from parental alienation syndrome because we know they're not supposed to use it in the court, but it's a way... Um, that fathers are getting custody by saying the mother's alienating this child. 
the mother's not, I did not alienate my child in any way. Of course, I didn't want her with him because he's raping her. But I did not alienate my child. I wanted her to have a relationship. And I wanted her to have what I had with my father. I did not believe he would ever do anything like this. So I wasn't trying to alienate him. I'm trying to protect my daughter. So are these other women. These are most of your abuse is coming within the family. It's not the blue man behind the bush or the, you know, whoever you think it's always a stranger. It's mostly what's familial. So if these children are being abused in the family and they go into family court and the courts aren't protecting these children, we have thousands of more children going out with later on problems in our society with drug addiction, alcoholism, you name it, you know, uh, anxiety, PTSD, we can go on and on. But yet if our society doesn't want to take a look at what's happening and our own court system is not going to protect these children, this is the problem. So when Gardner passed his theory along, now it's gone to parental alienation. Well, there are parents that alienate the other parents. That's absolutely a fact. We know that. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about abuse. And the abuse of the child needs to be looked at and completely protected before you hand that child over to an abuser. Now, I lost my little I, I completely, I, I completely oh. agree with that. I, I completely agree with what you're saying. Um, so where, where I, I have one, like, question, and, and this is the part that's not sure. making sense to me, and I'm sure that it's not making sense to a bunch of the, the listeners. If there was a crimi- some a criminal activity happened, so rape is still illegal in the United States, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. And so mm-hmm. if that's the case, you said that you also have police reports. I don't understand. Yes. I, I don't understand where family court would come in if there was evidence. It's a criminal thing now. It's it's not a family thing. It's a criminal right. thing. Is that? I mean, and, and, oh. I, I mean. You're the greatest. Maybe Stoy could jump in here because Stoy's a you know she, she's in the law, so I, I'm missing something. Like why why would this even get to the point of family court trying to intervene and, and saying no and throwing stuff out where the prosecutor a prosecutor needs to step in? Like you said, the DA's office had it, and what gave it to family well, court? I don't understand. Let me let me take a stab at it, Marley. You let me know if, if I'm on the right path. Well, if 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 an incident happened and it was observed by a law official, the person would be arrested and the law would pros- prosecute it based on that. Now, if another person wants to file a claim against someone else, then it's assigned to a different court. And that's how the family court gets involved. If something is happening to the child and if uh, the school teacher or the relative makes that complaint, it goes to family law services. You're correct. Mm. Yeah. See, that's wow. the problem because – go ahead. Were you going to say something else? So I, yeah. No, so no, no. I, I just, uh, <laughs> yeah, she made it clear. It, it goes into family court yeah. automatically. That's the that's, that part. It, it really, probably a separate court, not maybe even a criminal court and a family court, but something in between – to um, actually where judges are trained in domestic violence and child sexual abuse and abuse, and they need to be trained in it. And then a jury trial or another way to handle this, because if they're getting caught up in family court where they are, that's where they're going. They're not going to criminal court. The only reason my case got to criminal court is because I took it to the DA and I begged him to prosecute this case. And I said, my gosh, you have one-tenth evidence in other cases. I had, I put a black 
binder together, like a legal binder, and I put all the documents in there, all the police reports, doctor's reports, all the evidence, so that when you took that to a, to a governor or you took it to a lobby in Washington, D.C., like I did, or any of those things, I had all my ducks in a row, and I could show what was going on, which is really important for all these women to do that are out there trying to protect their children. But the fact is that he had that, and he said, let's see what that lower court judge does. And if he takes that child away from you, we will step in to do something. Well, I did lose my child to the abuser, and he did not step in to do anything. And he knew my child was being abused. Now, that's just that DA, but that's all DAs because these cases aren't given to DAs. And even when they – so, okay. So what were you going to ask? So, Mary, ask you this, Marilyn. So when, when this – you mentioned the parental alienation syndrome. And I want to clarify when this period happened so that once that I can understand it, in any event, anyone else have any other questions? Those of you who are, li- who are tuning in live with us on Facebook, if you have any questions about Mandy's story or have any questions about the process, please type them in. I'll try and get them to her before the conclusion of the show. So I want to understand the parent alienation process. It is when the parent feels has a certain negative, um, negative, emotional uh, reaction to being separated from their child? Is that what it is? No. Parental alienation is where they go into court and they say, for instance, let's just use my case, okay? They're saying the mom is alienating the child from the father by saying there's sexual abuse going on. So I'm alienating the father. I'm ruining that relationship with the father. Well, that is what's happening in courtrooms across the country. These women are coming in good faith. They're not, you know, this it's very rare. The stats will show 70% of contested custody cases. This is where fathers are getting custody. That isn't about, it isn't about the good parents out there that are trying to work oh. a relationship out, whether it's a stay-at-home dad or whatever. This is where there's abuse going on. And when those cases go to court, when there's abuse going on, those cases are going the wrong way. That is the problem. And instead, these children are being forced to live with their abusers. And so, how did, presumably... How, how did you take your... How did you remove your child away from her dad when when she was telling you this? What was – give us a snapshot into I, your um, life back. You know, she, she brought it forward, and my daycare provider brought it forward to my attention. Um, I didn't believe it at first, to be honest with you. I just didn't believe he would ever do anything like this to his own child. And, and that's – you've got to imagine, that's back in the 80s, long before we heard about sexual abuse. Didn't hear it on TV every day like you did today. So – I didn't. I just couldn't even comprehend something like that. But I had to listen to my daughter, and she was telling me stuff that no child could come up with. Well, the more evidence that came out on abuse, and the more doctors' reports and police reports stating she's being abused. Now, this is with physical evidence and absolute proof that she was being abused. They gave her more time with her father. I was up against social services, who was and a GAL, which is a guardian of item for the child, a lawyer for the child, who was pushing to get the father more and more time and saying, I have PAS, parental alienation syndrome, which I never even knew what that meant. I went into a visit with the father having supervised visits at social services, and I met by a GAL, guardian of item, lawyer for the child. She states she wants to discuss me. I said, okay, fine, I can do this. And the four things she wants to discuss, um, 
that was my big mistake, to sit down in a room. I was interrogated for a solid hour like nothing I'd ever seen on TV, any law program or anything I've ever seen. I mean, it was, it was unbelievable. Why would your daughter continue to say this if you weren't coaching her? Well, because maybe it's going on. The next statement, and the father's sitting there, and I'm going to have you do separation counseling. Well, this man has stalked me. He's abused me physically and emotionally, and he's ripping my daughter, but they're going to expect me to sit in the same room with him and discuss our marriage that's been over for two years. I found that kind of ironic. I didn't say anything. I didn't come up with anything. I just was listening. The next comment was, um, I said, well, have you read Dr. Baker's report, which was a psychologist on the case that stated my daughter was being sexually abused and exposed to sexual stimuli, and had come out of a session and had tears in her eyes and said, yes, she is being abused. Well, you know, the next day they take her away from me and put her in foster care. I, that day they interrogated me for a solid hour. Then they go, um, this child's going into foster care. And I'm like, oh, my God. I had just hired an attorney the day before. I'm thinking, how can they do this? But I walked into another room. I held it together because I thought if I showed any emotion, they'd say, look, this mom's emotionally inept. We've got to take this child from her. I walked into, I lied my head down on the desk, and I cried as if I had died. I felt like someone just ripped my heart out of me. And social worker comes up very coldly, taps me on the shoulder, and says, you can go say goodbye to your daughter now. And I got up, and I couldn't even walk. My legs were weak. I, I, I'm sure I was in shock. It was a gray mist around me. And I could hear him in the background yelling, look at her. Look at her. She can't handle it. She can't say goodbye to her daughter. My little girl's two and a half years old. She's never been away from her mommy. Down the hallway, and I told her I have to go to work. They had the police escort me out. The abuser's there. I'm escorted out. They aren't listening to police reports or anybody else. And they put her in foster care and totally traumatized her. So I'm just saying to you, the system is so out of control and what's happening. And if this was just my case and it was an isolated case and I could say, oh, the system made a just huge mistake, I can't say that because I get calls every day like I'm telling you. And that's not a little bit. It's outrageous. And so, you know, my daughter's placed in foster care at the age of four. I'm continuing to fight in the system. I'm not in court for one day, two days. I'm in court for weeks at a time. They bankrupt these women. I am completely bankrupted after 10 years of fighting the legal system. Although I was bankrupted long before that, I went pro se and had to represent myself because I had no more money to fight the system of what was happening. And I was very vocal. I wasn't somebody that was going to shut up. I did not go to media until I lost my daughter. And I tell women out there, you know, stay in your fight, stay in the system as long as you can. But when you've lost that child, you hit the media with everything you've got. And that's what I've done. That's what I did. So I had lots of the local news coverage here in Colorado for weeks at a time on my case. I still couldn't get my daughter back. I went on CNN, international news. I, when I lost her at the age of five, um, I was in supervised visits for eight years treated as a hardened criminal. I got to sit in a little room, eight by ten feet, and I watched her oh, go yeah. through traumatic experience that you, I, you can't even imagine watching your child suffer like this. She's beautiful. Oh. I couldn't walk down the street without people stopping me to talk to her. Her eyes danced. She was just everything. And I know everybody feels their child is that, but it's like I watched her deteriorate like you can't believe, and I couldn't do anything to stop what was happening. She couldn't understand why she was taken from her mommy and her friends and her family and her grandparents. Right. Adores her. So, right. So now, now, Sally, mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm sorry. I just want to ask everybody. We have only a few minutes left in the show, and I, I personally okay. would, would like to like for you to share where others can get a copy of the book 
And I also will want to hear. I'm, I'm, I'm sure others are concerned about what, where, where is your daughter now in terms of emotionally, um, physically. You know, how is she doing? How is she coping? And is she safe now? Well, I got her back at the age of 12, but I still had to share her with him through her junior high and high school years. But all I did was come to her as normal as I could and give her as much love and, and have her fun too and just give her a home life that she had lost for so many years. Um, we are really close. Uh, most of these cases, they don't have, they end up with no relationship with that child once this has happened. Um, we stayed really close. She used to tell me, I fly to your house at night, Mommy, and I'm on the windowsill, but I'm always with you. So she never let go. And today, um, she's had a hard time. She had to dissociate to get through this. So she's dissociative. And she's just now coming out of the dissociation, and she's dealing with a lot and a lot, a lot of trauma, but she's pretty incredible. And I think that, um, you know, I think she'll make a difference someday. Right now, she can't do that because she's going through too much. But I really believe she's an incredible writer. And I have in my last chapter of my book um, where you can get it. If, uh, you go to Amazon, bookstores, Barnes & Noble. It's anywhere pretty much. And it's prosecuted but not silent. Courtroom reform for sexually abused children. So just prosecuted but not silent. And my website is com. So it's M-A-R-A-L-E-E. McLean is M-C, capital L-E-A-N.com. And I have a lot of information there for women going through this. Usually it's domestic violence, child abuse. Uh, These guys are sociopaths, narcissists. You're dealing with a whole different type of person here that people, it's not your normal dad or their normal father Mm -hmm. trying to do the right thing. There's lots of good men out there. These men aren't bad. Absolutely. So that's where you can get my book. And, And so she's doing fine. I'm not fine. This, this is recovery for a lifetime is what it is. And I right. feel that the rape of her dad was horrific, but the abuse of the system is just as bad. And um, so that's telling you where I'm coming from and what I'd like to see happen and make changes. And safe child act. Safety of the child first in every single state. And go to your senators and your congressmen, your representatives, and say, we want a safe child act. But nothing else matters about this mother, this father. The safety of that child comes first. Absolutely, and 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 I think that that's the the, the absolute best. So what we're gonna do, uh, we're gonna take this on and go to Facebook Live, and we're gonna just chat it up. So, um, guys, thank you. This is a this is an incredibly serious topic, and uh, I, uh, we want to applaud your courage for coming on to the show uh, and being with us today. Thanks for listening to Coffee Talk with Soy. Your new um, morning show. I just love this show. Coffee we'll Talk with Soy. That is your new morning show where real talk happens every Saturday at 10 a.m. I'd like to thank the listeners and the guests for joining me in the cafe today. What a wonderful time we had. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Don't forget to download the app Coffee Talk with Soy from your app store. It's available on iTunes and Google Play. Stay connected, stay connected, folks, by visiting the website, coffeetalkwithsoy.com, as well as looking for us under your social media sites. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under the name Coffee Talk with Soy. Remember, the size of the problem is never the issue. Remember, it's the size of you. Be great because you are awesome. Tell them Soy said so. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. Bye-bye.